0: Scene four, Chapter three of No Name. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Griffiths. No Name by Wilkie Collins. Scene four, Chapter three. The threatening of storm and change passed away with the night. When morning rose over Aldborough, the sun was master in the blue heaven, and the waves were rippling gaily under the summer breeze. At an hour when no other visitors to the watering-place were yet astir, the indefatigable rag appeared at the door of North Shingles Villa, and directed his steps northward, with a neatly bound copy of Joyce's Scientific Dialogues in his hand. Arriving at the waste-ground beyond the houses, he descended to the beach and opened his book. The interview of the past night had sharpened his perception of the difficulties to be encountered in the coming enterprise. He was now doubly determined to try the characteristic experiment at which he had hinted in his letter to Magdalene, and to concentrate on himself, in the character of a remarkably well-informed man, the entire interest and attention of the formidable Mrs. LeCount. Having taken his dose of ready-made science, to use his own expression, the first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, Captain Wragge joined his small family circle at breakfast time, inflated with information for the day. He observed that Magdalen's face showed plain signs of a sleepless night. She made no complaint, her manner was composed, and her temper perfectly under control. Mrs. Ragg, "'refreshed by some thirteen consecutive hours of uninterrupted repose, "'was in excellent spirits, and up at heel, for a wonder, with both shoes. "'She brought with her into the room several large sheets of tissue-paper, "'cut crisply into mysterious and many varying forms, "'which immediately provoked from her husband the short and sharp question, "'What have you got there?' "'Patterns, Captain!' "'said Mrs. Wragge in timidly conciliating tones. "'I went shopping in London and bought an Oriental cashmere robe. "'It cost a deal of money, "'and I'm going to try and save by making it myself. "'I've got the patterns, "'and my dressmaking directions written out as plain as print. "'I'll be very tidy, Captain. "'I'll keep in my own corner, "'if you'll please to give me one.' And whether my head buzzes or whether it don't i'll sit straight at my work all the same you will do your work said the captain sternly when you know who you are who i am and who that young lady is not before show me your shoes good show me your cap good make the breakfast when breakfast was over mrs ragg received her orders to retire into an adjoining room, and to wait there until her husband came to release her. As soon as her back was turned, Captain Wragge once resumed the conversation, which had been suspended, by Magdalen's own desire, on the preceding night. The questions he now put to her all related to the subject of her visit in disguise to Noel Vanstone's house. They were the questions of a thoroughly clear-headed man, short, searching and straight to the point in less than half an hour's time he had made himself acquainted with every incident that had happened in vauxhall walk the conclusions which the captain drew after gaining his information were clear and easily stated on the adverse side of the question he expressed his conviction that mrs lecount had certainly detected her visitor to be disguised that she had never really left the room, though she might have opened and shut the door, and that on both the occasions, therefore, when Magdalen had been betrayed into speaking in her own voice, mrs lecount had heard her. On the favorable side of the question, he was perfectly satisfied that the painted face and eyelids, the wig, and the padded cloak had so effectually concealed Magdalen's identity, that she might in her own person defy the housekeeper's closest scrutiny, so far as the matter of appearance was concerned. The difficulty of deceiving Mrs. LeCount's ears, as well as her eyes, was, he readily admitted, not so easily to be disposed of. But looking to the fact that Magdalen, on both the occasions when she had forgotten herself, had spoken in the heat of anger, He was of the opinion that her voice had every reasonable chance of escaping detection, if she carefully avoided all outbursts of temper for the future, and spoke in those more composed and ordinary terms, which Mrs. Lecount had not yet heard. Upon the whole, the captain was inclined to pronounce the prospect hopeful, if one serious obstacle were cleared away at the outset, that obstacle being nothing less than the presence on the scene of action of Mrs. Wragge. To Magdalen's surprise, when the course of her narrative brought her to the story of the ghost, Captain Wragge listened with the air of a man who was more annoyed than amused by what he heard. When she had done, he plainly told her that her unlucky meeting on the stairs of the lodging-house with Mrs. Wragge was, in his opinion, the most serious of all the accidents that had happened in Vauxhall Walk. "'I can deal with the difficulty of my wife's stupidity,' he said, "'as I have often dealt with it before. "'I can hammer her new identity into her head, "'but I can't hammer the ghost out of it. "'We have no security that the woman in the grey cloak and poke bonnet "'may not come back to her recollection at the most critical time "'and under the most awkward circumstances. "'In plain English, my dear girl,' Mrs. Wragge is a pitfall under our feet at every step we take. "'If we are aware of the pitfall,' said Magdalen, "'we can take our measures for avoiding it. "'What do you propose?' "'I propose,' replied the captain, "'the temporary removal of Mrs. Rag. "'Speaking purely in a pecuniary point of view, "'I can't afford a total separation from her.' You have often read of very poor people being suddenly enriched by legacies reaching them from remote and unexpected quarters. Mrs. Wragge's case, when I married her, was one of these. An elderly female relative shared the favours of fortune on that occasion with my wife, and if I only keep up domestic appearances, I happen to know that Mrs. Wragge will prove a second time profitable to me on that elderly relative's death but for this circumstance I should probably long since have transferred my wife to the care of society at large in the agreeable conviction that if I didn't support her, somebody else would. Although I can't afford to take this course, I see no objection to having her comfortably boarded and lodged out of our way for the time being, say, at a retired farmhouse, in the character of a lady in infirm mental health. YOU WOULD FIND THE EXPENSE TRIFLING. I SHOULD FIND THE RELIEF UNUTTERABLE. WHAT DO YOU SAY? SHALL I PACK HER UP AT ONCE AND TAKE HER AWAY BY THE NEXT COACH? NO, REPLIED Magdalen FIRMLY. THE POOR CREATURE'S LIFE IS HARD ENOUGH ALREADY. I WON'T HELP TO MAKE IT HARDER. SHE WAS AFFECTIONATELY AND TRULY KIND TO ME WHEN I WAS ILL, AND I WON'T ALLOW HER TO BE SHUT UP AMONG STRANGERS WHILE I CAN HELP IT. THE RISK OF KEEPING HER HERE IS ONLY ONE RISK MORE. I WILL FACE IT, CAPTAIN Wragge, IF YOU WON'T. THINK TWICE, SAID THE CAPTAIN GRAVELY, BEFORE YOU DECIDE ON KEEPING MRS. Wragge. ONCE IS ENOUGH, REJOINED Magdalen. I WON'T HAVE HER SENT AWAY. VERY GOOD, SAID THE CAPTAIN RESIGNEDLY. I NEVER INTERFERE WITH QUESTIONS OF SENTIMENT, BUT I HAVE A WORD TO SAY ON MY OWN BEHALF. If my services are to be of any use to you, I can't have my hands tied at starting. This is serious. I won't trust my wife and Mrs. LeCount together. I'm afraid, if you're not, and I make it a condition that, if Mrs. Ragg stops here, she keeps her room. If you think her health requires it, you can take her for a walk early in the morning, or late in the evening. But you must never trust her out with the servant and never trust her out by herself i put the matter plainly it is too important to be trifled with what do you say yes or no i say yes replied Magdalen, after a moment's consideration on the understanding that i am to take her out walking as you propose captain rag bowed and recovered his suavity of manner what are our plans he inquired shall we start our enterprise this afternoon Are you ready for your introduction to Mrs. LeCount and her master? Quite ready. Good again. We will meet them on the parade, at their usual hour for going out, two o'clock. It is not twelve yet. I have two hours before me. Just enough time to fit my wife into her new skin. The process is absolutely necessary to prevent her compromising us with the servant. Don't be afraid about the results mrs Wragge has had a copious selection of assumed names hammered into her head in the course of her matrimonial career. It is merely a question of hammering hard enough, nothing more. I think we have settled everything now. Is there anything I can do before two o'clock? Have you any employment for the morning? No, said Magdalen. I shall go back to my own room and try to rest. You had a disturbed night, I am afraid, said the Captain politely opening the door for her i fell asleep once or twice she answered carelessly i suppose my nerves are a little shaken the bold black eyes of that man who stared so rudely at me yesterday evening seem to be looking at me again in my dreams if we see him to-day and if he annoys me any more i must trouble you to speak to him we will meet here again at two o'clock don't be hard with mrs Rag teach her what she must learn as tenderly as you can with those words she left him and went upstairs she lay down on her bed with a heavy sigh and tried to sleep it was useless the dull weariness of herself which now possessed her was not the weariness which finds its remedy in repose she rose again and sat by the window looking out listlessly over the sea "'A weaker nature than hers would not have felt the shock of Frank's desertion "'as she had felt it, as she was feeling it still. "'A weaker nature would have found refuge in indignation and comfort in tears. "'The passionate strength of Magdalene's love clung desperately "'to the sinking wreck of its own delusion, "'clung until she tore herself from it by plain force of will. "'All that her native pride, her keen sense of wrong could do, was to shame her from dwelling on the thoughts which still caught their breath of life from the undying devotion of the past, which still perversely ascribed Frank's heartless farewell to any cause but the inborn baseness of the man who had written it. The woman never lived yet who could cast a true love out of her heart because the object of that love was unworthy of her. All she can do is to struggle against it in secret— to sink in the contest if she is weak, to win her way through it if she is strong, by a process of self-laceration which is, of all moral remedies applied to a woman's nature, the most dangerous and the most desperate. Of all moral changes, the change that is surest to mark her for life. Magdalene's strong nature had sustained her through the struggle, and the issue of it had left her what she now was, After sitting by the window for nearly an hour, her eyes looking mechanically at the view, her mind empty of all impressions and conscious of no thoughts, she shook off the strange waking stupor that possessed her, and rose to prepare herself for the serious business of the day. She went to the wardrobe and took down from the pegs two bright, delicate muslin dresses, which had been made for summer wear at Coombe Raven a year since and which have been of too little value to be worth selling when she parted with her other possessions. After placing these dresses side by side on the bed, she looked into the wardrobe once more. It only contained one other summer dress, the plain alpaca gown, which she had worn during her memorable interview with Noel Vanstone and Mrs. LeCount. This she left in its place, resolving not to wear it. LESS FROM ANY DREAD THAT THE HOUSEKEEPER MIGHT RECOGNIZE A PATTERN TOO QUIET TO BE NOTICED AND TOO COMMON TO REMEMBERED, THAN FROM THE CONVICTION THAT IT WAS NEITHER GAY ENOUGH NOR BECOMING ENOUGH FOR HER PURPOSE. AFTER TAKING A PLAIN WHITE MUSLIN SCARF, A PAIR OF LIGHT GREY KID GLOVES, AND A GARDEN HAT OF TUSCAN STRAW FROM THE drawers OF THE WARDROBE, SHE LOCKED IT AND PUT THE KEY CAREFULLY IN HER POCKET instead of at once proceeding to dress herself she sat idly looking at the two muslin gowns careless which she wore and yet inconsistently hesitating which to choose what does it matter she said to herself with a reckless laugh i am equally worthless in my own estimation whichever i put on she shuddered as if the sound of her own laughter had startled her and abruptly caught up the dress which lay nearest to her hand Its colours were blue and white, the shade of blue which best suited her fair complexion. She hurriedly put on the gown without going near her looking-glass. For the first time in her life, she shrank from meeting the reflection of herself, except for a moment when she arranged her hair under her garden hat, leaving the glass again immediately. She drew her scarf over her shoulders and fitted on her gloves, "'with her back to the toilet table. "'Shall I paint?' she asked herself, "'feeling instinctively that she was turning pale. "'The rouge is still left in my box. "'It can't make my face more false than it is already.' "'She looked round toward the glass "'and again turned away from it. "'No,' she said, "'I have Mrs. LeCount to face as well as her master. "'No paint.' "'After consulting her watch,' She left the room and went downstairs again. It wanted ten minutes only of two o'clock. Captain Wragge was waiting for her in the parlour, respectable in a frock coat, a stiff summer cravat, and a high white hat. Specklessly and cheerfully rural, in a buff waistcoat, grey trousers, and gaiters to match. His collars were higher than ever, and he carried a brand new camp stool in his hand any tradesman in england who had seen him at that moment would have trusted him on the spot charming said the captain paternally surveying Magdalen when she entered the room so fresh and cool a little too pale my dear and a great deal too serious otherwise perfect try if you can smile when the time comes for smiling, said Magdalene bitterly, trust my dramatic training for any change of face that may be necessary. Where is Mrs. Rag? Mrs. Wragge has learned her lesson, replied the captain, and is rewarded by my permission to sit at work in her own room. I sanction her new fancy for dressmaking, because it is sure to absorb all her attention and to keep her at home. There is no fear of her finishing the oriental robe in a hurry, for there is no mistake in the process of making it which she is not certain to commit. She will sit incubating her gown, pardon the expression, like a hen over an addled egg. I assure you, her new whim relieves me. Nothing could be more convenient under existing circumstances. He strutted away to the window, looked out, and beckoned Magdalen to join him there they are he said and pointed to the parade noel vanstone slowly walked by as she looked dressed in a complete suit of old-fashioned nankeen it was apparently one of the days when the state of his health was at the worst he leaned on mrs lecount's arm and was protected from the sun by a light umbrella which she held over him the housekeeper dressed to perfection as usual in a quiet lavender-coloured summer gown, a black mantilla, an unassuming straw bonnet, and a crisp blue veil, escorted her invalid master with the tenderest attention, sometimes directing his notice respectfully to the various objects of the sea view, sometimes bending her head in graceful acknowledgment of the courtesy of passing strangers on the parade, who stepped aside to let the invalid pass by. She produced a visible effect among the idlers on the beach. They looked after her with unanimous interest and exchanged confidential nods of approval, which said, as plainly as words could have expressed it, a very domestic person, a truly superior woman. Captain Rags' party-coloured eyes followed Mrs. LeCount with a steady, distrustful attention. "'Tough work for us there,' he whispered in Magdalene's ear. "'tougher work than you think "'before we turn that woman out of her place.' "'Wait,' said Magdalen quietly. "'Wait and see.' "'She walked to the door. "'The captain followed her "'without making any further remark. "'I'll wait till you're married,' "'he thought to himself. "'Not a moment longer. "'Offer me what you may.' "'At the house door Magdalen addressed him again. "'We will go that way,' she said, "'pointing southward. "'Then turn and meet them.' as they come back. Captain Wragge signified his approval of the arrangement, and followed Magdalen to the garden gate. As she opened it to pass through, her attention was attracted by a lady, with a nursery maid and two little boys behind her loitering on the path outside the garden wall. The lady started, looked eagerly, and smiled to herself as Magdalen came out. Curiosity had got the better of Kirk's sister, and she had come to Aldborough for the express purpose of seeing Miss Bygrave. Something in the shape of the lady's face, something in the expression of her dark eyes, reminded Magdalen of the merchant captain whose uncontrolled admiration had annoyed her on the previous evening. She instantly returned the stranger's scrutiny by a frowning, ungracious look. The lady coloured, paid the look back with interest, and slowly walked on. "'A hard, bold, bad girl,' thought Kirk's sister. "'What could Robert be thinking of to admire her? "'I am almost glad he is gone. "'I hope and trust he will never set eyes on Miss Bygrave again.' "'What bores the people are here,' said Magdalen to Captain Wrag. "'That woman was even ruder than the man last night.' "'She is like him in the face. "'I wonder who she is.' "'I'll find out directly,' said the captain. "'We can't be too cautious about strangers.' "'He at once appealed to his friends, the boatmen. "'They were close at hand, "'and Magdalen heard the questions and answers plainly. "'How are you all this morning?' said Captain Wragge "'in his easy jocular way. "'And how's the wind?' "'Norwest and by west, is it? "'Very good.' who's that lady that's mrs strickland sir i i the clergyman's wife and the captain's sister where's the captain to-day on his way to london i should think sir he ship sails for china at the end of the week china as that one word passed the man's lips a pang of the old sorrow struck magdalene to the heart stranger as he was she began to hate the bare mention of the merchant-captain's name. He had troubled her dreams of the past night, and now, when she was most desperately and recklessly bent on forgetting her old home existence, he had been indirectly the cause of recalling her mind to Frank. "'Come,' she said angrily to her companion. "'What do we care about the man or his ship? Come away!' By all means, said Captain Wragge, as long as we don't find friends of the Bygraves, what do we care about anybody? They walked on southward for ten minutes or more, then turned and walked back again to meet Noel Vanstone and Mrs. LeCount. End of Chapter 3 Scene 4